Our reading this afternoon is from Proverbs. This is what Holy Scripture says. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Thanks be to God. Thanks, John. And Mark, it was great having you up here. For those of you who might be visiting, uh, we are very thankful Mark is with us. He had a heart attack uh, back in May, and it's just uh, an opportunity for us to give thanks to God that he is healthy and strong, and it's always wonderful to have him lead us. So thank you, Mark. A few years ago, a study found that nearly 80% of U.S. drivers expressed significant anger behind the wheel at least once in the previous 12 months. Eight million drivers engaged in extreme examples of road rage, including purposefully ramming another vehicle. Some of you are laughing because you've done this. (laughs) Or getting out of the car to confront another driver. That's probably more uh, familiar to you than hitting another car. Uh, You may have seen in the news a few weeks ago that a fight broke out at a baseball game played by seven-year-old children. However, it wasn't the children fighting. It was the parents who were throwing fists at one another over a disputed call by the umpire who happened to be a 13-year-old. Perhaps you've heard the expression, I'm hangry. It's when you're angry and hungry. Well, hanger was on display at the Meteor Buffet in Huntsville, Alabama. Diners had been waiting in line for 20 minutes for a freshly boiled batch of crab legs. When the crabs arrived, chaos ensued. People began shouting, he's cutting in line, I was here first. Suddenly plates were thrown and tongs were used as weapons. Following the fight, police arrested two people, a man who had a cut on his head and a woman who was uninjured. Both of them admitted to letting their temper cloud their judgment. And that's exactly what anger does to us. It clouds our judgment and causes us to react without thinking through the implication of our words and our actions. Anger has been called the gunpowder of the soul. And these examples that I shared only scratch the surface of how extensive a problem anger is in our society, in our cities, in our neighborhoods, and in our homes. But of course, anger has always been a problem. That's why Proverbs addresses it several times throughout the book. 
we read three verses that I'd like to repeat, but I'll use Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in the message. This is how he expresses Proverbs 14.29. Slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. A quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. Then Proverbs 15.1. A gentle response diffuses anger. A sharp tongue kindles a temper fire. And then Proverbs 15, 18. Hot tempers start fights. A calm, cool spirit keeps the peace. It's obvious in the Proverbs we've read that anger can wreak havoc on relationships. Anger gives birth to more anger. Hot tempers start fights. But I want to suggest that Proverbs doesn't condemn anger in all cases. In fact, Proverbs differentiates between two types of anger. Foolish anger and wise anger. So I'd like to ask three questions this afternoon. What is foolish anger? What is wise anger? And finally, how can we grow in expressing our anger wisely? So first, what is foolish anger? Notice the signs of foolish anger that we see in the Proverbs. In verse 29 of chapter 14, He who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Hasty is a good word, I believe, because one definition of hasty is an act with excessive speed or insufficient consideration. Anger that's hasty doesn't think, doesn't consider. It's instinctive and reactive. It doesn't care about the consequences. And it leads to foolish words and foolish actions. In Proverbs 15.1, foolish anger is described this way. A harsh word stirs up anger. A harsh word is a cruel or severe word that is looking for a fight. A harsh word might be hasty, but it also might be premeditated. Either way, it stirs up an angry response in the other person, and it's destructive to a relationship. My most grievous displays of foolish anger come when I'm arguing with my wife and she won't concede that I'm right and she's wrong. Uh, I wouldn't be so foolishly angry if she would just agree with me. That's when my words become hasty and harsh, which is a terrible combination. And without fail, I'll think of something so hurtful that one part of my brain knows I shouldn't say it, but the reactive side of me does it anyways. And when the words are passing my lips, I reflexively want to reach out my hand and pluck the words from the air before my wife can hear them. It's that terrible feeling you get at the bottom of your gut 
when you know what you've said has crossed the line. But of course, as, you know, if you've already said it, the damage is done. It's too late. Now, what causes me to do such foolish things? What compels me to say hurtful things to the people I care about, to my wife, to my kids, to my friends, to my coworkers, to my neighbors? Well, the Bible's answer to this question might surprise you, especially if we compare it to some of the answers that we hear in our society. For example, some argue that anger is something separate from ourselves, almost like a foreign substance in our bodies that just needs to be released. Some view anger in this way as if anger is a fluid substance that builds up in your body and just needs a release valve. And so the solution to your anger problem in, in those cases is simply to find ways to release your anger safely. Get a punching bag or yell into a pillow. Now this view tends to reject any moral evaluation of our anger. It prefers to view your anger as a morally neutral bodily response. Now, it's true that our anger can be influenced by our physical bodies. We are physical creatures. God created us that way. We have hormones. Um, if we're not getting enough sleep, if we're not eating well, there's certainly those things can affect and impact our physical bodies and impact how we respond to our life circumstances and to other people. So that is an important part of what encourages us towards foolish anger. However, the Bible doesn't view anger ultimately as something foreign or alien to us, to who we are as people. Anger isn't a distinct substance within us. From the Bible's perspective, anger flows out of your heart flows out of your heart. And when our hearts make moral evaluations of our circumstances or other people, we make judgments. And anger ignites the soul when something we love is threatened. When something we love is threatened. And so the simplest way to view anger is to see it as a moral response to something that is important to you it's important to you and the more important it is to you the more that you love it the angrier you become when it's threatened so anger at its core is a declaration that's not right that's what anger is you see, you hear, you experience something, and anger rises within you, and you declare, either in your mind or verbally, that's not right. You get angry. Whether you're driving in your car, or at a youth baseball game, or standing in line for crab legs. That's not right. 
Now, if you're willing to accept this understanding of anger, and, and I hope you will, hopefully you'll see that foolish anger flows out of our instinctual desire to be the judge of what's right and what's wrong and to do that in the place of God. That's at the heart of foolish anger. If you were with us a few weeks ago, we started this series in Proverbs and we talked at the beginning of the book about this foundational concept of wisdom and how the book of Proverbs is all about living wisely in the world and that comes out of our relationship with God. Wisdom flows out of, if you remember the phrase, the fear of the Lord. And we talked about how the fear of the Lord is all about our relationship with God and living in relationship with Him. And so wisdom is found in that relationship. And so when our love and our desire is properly ordered, meaning God is first in our hearts and God is first in our lives, we've prioritized Him, that's where wisdom is found. Foolishness is cultivated when we try to be God. When we demand our way. That's what James tells us in his letter, chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You want something, but you don't get it. That's the root of foolish anger. Anger says, that's not right. Foolish anger says, that's not right because I say so. Or, we could put it this way, that's not right because what I value is being threatened. What's most important to me is being threatened. And often if something really important is threatened, we explode And that, friends, if it's foolish anger, can be a sign of the idolatry in your hearts. See, this is where dealing with anger becomes much more complicated than simply, I I read somewhere one book, Simple Instructions for Life, I think it said, when you get angry, put your hands in your pockets. That's all you got to do. Put your hands in your pockets. That might be helpful for that minute. But to simply leave it there means you're not going under the surface and really asking the difficult questions and considering what is it that your heart desires that's being threatened? What's primary in your life? Now here's an example in my my life. I like to be on time to meetings. In fact, being on time is often being five minutes early. And I like people to view me this way. I I don't want to be thought of as someone who is late because, you know, I kind of was raised that that's disrespectful. And so I don't want to show people disrespect and I want them to view me as someone who is on time and punctual. And so when I'm in traffic driving to a meeting... Everyone else on the road is a threat. Everyone else is a threat 
to what? To my reputation. If they drive slow, if they hold me up somehow, I get angry because I might be late. And in my mind, my reputation is at stake. My reputation in the eyes of the person I'm meeting with. So don't you dare get in the way of that. Don't drive the speed limit. Everybody knows you can drive 10 miles an hour above the speed limit, right? Kids, think of a time when you were angry at your mom or dad because you wanted to watch that show or you wanted that cookie, that third cookie. Why were you angry? You got angry because in your heart you said, that's not right. I want another cookie. I want to watch my show. And in that moment, you believe you know best. You know better than mom and dad. And so your little adorable, cute, angry heart, and it is cute, but it's angry because you've made a moral evaluation. You've said, this isn't right. And you know where you got that from? You got that from your mom and dad. They have the same angry hearts because they want things their way. They display the same foolish anger. They declare the same thing when they say, that's not right. I want it my way. For me, it's my reputation. For you, it might be a cookie. For others, it might be recognition, security, respect from people, a promotion, a bonus, whatever it might be. These are the things that have become what you might call an ultimate priority in your life, an ultimate thing that your heart longs for. And you get angry when you can't get it. And you get angry when it's threatened. And so it leads to harsh words and harsh actions. It it leads to foolish anger that says, it's not right because I said so. Or it's not right because the thing I value is being threatened. So you see, the reason this leads to foolishness is because we're un willing to allow God to define what is right and what is wrong for us. That leads us into the second question. What is wise anger? Now that might be a new idea to you that there is such a thing as wise anger. Because for some of us in the room, you've gone through your Christian life believing that any kind of anger is a bad thing. No, anger is bad. No, no anger. You don't want to be around it. Well, Psalm 4.4 says this, In your anger do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. In Ephesians 4, Paul there says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Both places You can be angry and not sin. So there we see this concept of wise anger, good anger, holy anger, righteous anger. And if you've ever spent time reading through the Bible, who who is the angriest person in the Bible? God. 
Did you notice that? Time and time again, the prophet Isaiah says that God looks at evil and his anger does not look away. More than 50 times in the book of Romans, Paul mentions God's anger and its effects. John mentions the wrath of God that will abide on the head of whoever will not believe in the Son of God. And unfortunately, Christians, in our day and time, we're trying to redefine God as is always loving and never angry. But if you think about it for a moment, it's impossible to be loving and not get angry. Okay? Remember, you get angry when the thing that you love is threatened, right? The theologian E.J. Guilford wrote, Human love here offers a true analogy. The more a father loves his son the more he hates in him the drunkard, the liar, the traitor. And Becky Pippert puts it well. This is a little longer quote, so follow, follow with me. We tend to be taken aback by the thought that God could be angry. How can a deity who is perfect and loving ever be angry? But love detests what destroys the beloved. Real love stands against the deception, the lie, the sin that destroys Anger isn't the opposite of love. Hate is. And the final form of hate is indifference. How can a good God forgive bad people without compromising himself? Does he just play fast and loose with the facts? Oh, never mind. Boys will be boys. Try telling that to a survivor of the Cambodian killing fields or to someone who lost an entire family in the Holocaust. No. To be truly good, one has to be outraged by evil and implacably hostile to injustice. Friends, can I say this? That some of you never get angry. And I'd like to lovingly suggest that's not something to boast about. That's not a sign of maturity or godliness. In fact, it's a sign of your sinful heart if you never get angry. Can we say that there are some things that happen in our world and in our lives that the only godly response is to be angry? God is angry. He's angry at our rebellion and the destructive choices that we make. And it infuriates him and he declares, that's not right. And it isn't right. It's not right. And throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus is angry. He's angry at the religious leaders who were deceiving God's people. He's angry at the money changers at the temple who were desecrating the Father's house. And he's angry while standing outside the tomb of Lazarus, angry at death and how it's vandalized God's good creation. And the description of Jesus is almost as if he's boiling with anger. Where's our anger? As Christians, we're called to become more like our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to emulate God here on earth. So if God gets angry, Jesus got angry, why don't you get angry? Wise anger comes when we let God define what is right and what is wrong, what is just, and what is good, what is valuable, and what should be prized most. 
Wise anger sees, hears, and experiences things through God's eyes and God's heart, and it says, that's not right. And so, wise anger is when we get angry because we know God is angry about the thing we're seeing or experiencing or or doing. And when you love God, you begin to love the things that he loves. You begin to prize the things that he prizes. So when those things are threatened, then you declare, that's not right. And wise anger flows out of your heart. But wise anger also reflects God's character. We're told in Psalm 145, verse 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Wise anger on our part follows God's lead. We are called to emulate him. So that's why the Proverbs say here in verse 29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. And he who is slow to anger quiets contention. So being slow to anger helps us evaluate if the thing igniting the gunpowder in our soul is important to God or if it's only important to us. You see, that's why being slow to anger is so, so important, so vital. Being slow gives us time to consider, to evaluate, to ask ourselves questions, what we're feeling, why we're feeling it. The late author and counselor David Pallison made a great observation that I think is helpful for us as we wrestle with when to be angry and when not to be angry. And he made what could be a controversial statement when he remarks that Jesus was never angry about personal offenses. Did you hear me? How many of you spend all your time angry because of personal offenses? Pallison would argue that's not Christ-like. That's not Christ-like. What he says, watch Jesus as he's being tested and insulted by the religious leaders. He did not respond in anger, though he is indeed angry on a number of occasions. That anger is always about injustices perpetrated against others. Especially when those injustices keep others from true worship. He is never angry when he's personally offended. That does not mean, though, that we are to be silent and unmoved when we experience injustice. It just means injustices are a time when we need wisdom to guide our responses. So what he's saying is not that you just take it and don't do anything about it, but you just in wisdom, you slow to anger respond wisely. We follow Christ's lead. That leads us to our third and final question as we wrap up. How can we grow in expressing our anger wisely? And this is even hard to talk about because I feel it's so, um, we need so much more time. We, We need to be able to sit. We need to be able to talk, process. If we really, if you really are a person here today and you're struggling with anger, um, there's so much more to be said. And these are just a few 
things to consider in your journey as God is working in your life through this issue. The first is this. Be open to the idea you may have an anger problem. Um, Ed Welch wrote a book on anger called A Small Book About a Big Problem. And on his blog, he considered whether it was impolite to give it, give the book as a gift to someone. Can you imagine? <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> he says this. It's, it's, it's another long quote. Bear with me. To give this book to someone is akin to giving a breath mint to the person sitting next to you in church, which happens to me most Sundays when I'm sitting next to my wife. So it, it's okay to give it. We're still happily married. But there's actually more to this analogy. If I have bad breath. I am the last one to know. Others notice it. I don't. Those who don't know me well would never say a word. They would only take a step back. All people pleasers would remain silent too because an offer of a breath mint might cause offense. Only the one who loves me the most and is most affected by it brings it to my attention. These are also the ways of anger. Other people are affected by it. The angry person is unaware. Only when a loving person speaks out there, out is there hope for growth and change. So friends, um, I guess this, this encouragement is on two sides of it. For those of you who know someone in your life you care about that has an anger problem, would you consider telling them or or? pursuing a conversation about it and and if you want to talk to me about how to do that I'd be happy to talk to you on the flip side if you are approached by someone to have that kind of conversation would you stop at least receive it and then step away from the conversation and and let God speak to you maybe you need to hear that maybe you need to hear that so that's the first first step the second one is Learn to ask your heart the right questions. Um, When you're angry, in fact, let me put it this way, probably not when you're angry. That's probably the worst time to try to ask yourself these questions. In those periods of time in between your anger outbursts, that's the time to ask your heart these questions. And and don't don't ask these questions, why is he such an idiot? Or, why can't they learn to clean up after themselves? That's not the right kind of question to ask. Ask these kinds of questions. What is it my heart really wants? In those times I get angry. Or, is this issue important to God? Or, am I simply asserting my will in this situation? Those are the kinds of questions I encourage you to ask. Uh, in those moments when, when you're more at peace. And finally, I'll end with this. Um, when you get caught up in foolish anger, preach the gospel to yourself and repent. Uh, it could be that you're so afraid to admit you have a problem and you're so concerned to what it might mean to your reputation and who you are. Just know Jesus already knows you have the anger problem. He knows the struggle of your heart. You can come to him. 
He has paid for it on your behalf. There is grace for you, my friends. I encourage you to consider, you know, Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath. The gospel tells us there is no wrath for you if you are in Christ Jesus, even though you might really struggle with anger. There is no wrath. You do not stand in condemnation. A soft answer turns away wrath. That, I would encourage you to consider Jesus on the cross when he was exposed in shame and the pain and the horror of his crucifixion, the mocking of the crowd. What, did, what was Jesus' answer? What was his soft answer? His soft answer was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Would you hear his words? Would you hear his words as you deal with this issue of the heart and know that you're loved? Know that the Father loves you so much that he gave his only son for you. That he, he was so angry about the destructive choices you're making, so upset that, that you, he might lose you, that he took great steps to secure your relationship with him and you are in Christ and you do not have to you don't have to stand condemned rest in that friends rest in that good news I want to ask Randy if he would come up and spend a few moments praying for us on this topic of anger